0: Um, I think that one of our challenges, and it's a very difficult one, is to take a less Eurocentric view of the world. And I was reading a Time magazine the other day, and there was a, an advertisement in there. And it was an advertisement to learn ancient Greek, a short course, self-directed online course. It looks like a great course. You know, I, I know a little bit of ancient Greeks, and it's a beautiful language. And there was one aspect of the advertisement that I found a little troublesome. Um, The advertisement was saying how Greek poetry, Greek philosophy, Greek oratory, Greek comedy, Greek tragedy, this was all uh, the greatest contributions, essentially, and that all of this great poetry, oratory, comedy, tragedy, etc., was all in ancient Greek. Well, this is something that I have also been exposed to ever since I was a child with this same kind of perspective. And the irony of it is that it kind of overshadows that there are other stories, there are other cultures. I'll give you one example. Um, In my own culture, our ancient language is Sanskrit, and there is one particular poem known as the Mahabharata, which is 100,000 verses long. It is 10 times bigger than the Odyssey and Iliad combined, and it would have had just as much of an influence on that part of the world as any other. If you want to get into this comparison of cultures, the old Greek religion is dead, but the influence of that old text on the Hindu religion is as alive and vibrant as ever. So it's fine if we want to talk about great poetry, great oratory great philosophy, but when we start using the word greatest and superlatives, I think we're already putting ourselves at a disadvantage because we are not allowing that kind of space to hear other people's stories and embrace them as part of one larger humanity. Now, I don't come at this from a mere personal angle. Um, You know, my old children have European heritage, so they can pick their own uh, mix. (laughs) But uh, the reason I bring it up is because in my own research, in human rights. Um, I have actually studied these ancient texts and I have identified precursors of female empowerment and precursors of human rights in a lot of these um, ancient Sanskrit texts, 2,500 years um, written before the advent of our own human rights movement formally in the 20th century. So for me, it's um, a lot more than just some kind of a personal insight. Um, I talk about culture, um, looking at the history of civilization and so we need to take a less Eurocentric view in these institutions and really um, start to look at each other as equals. Um, the second aspect has to do with the social dimension. And I think the greatest challenge we have is to take a step back and try not to label one another in these kinds of um, kind of dichotomous labels. Um, someone is either a Democrat or just a Republican or they are liberal or conservative. Um, One example that we struggle with in the health and human rights movement is to truly influence others to see that there is an interdependency of civil and political rights alongside social, economic, and cultural rights. Although we want to see this massive change, uh, it does begin in our own backyards, in our own homes, and uh, we should take some comfort um, and knowing that we can make a difference wherever we are.